Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. Hey, everyone. I am on the line with Robert Osazua Ness. Robert is a machine learning research engineer at Gamelon and an instructor at Northeastern University. Robert and I met at the last NeurIPS conference where he had an accepted poster session around his paper, Integrating Markov Processes with Structural Causal Modeling Enables Counterfactual Inference in Complex Systems, which he also presented at the Black and AI workshop. Uh, This kicked off a bunch of great conversations between the two of us, leading ultimately to collaboration that we'll talk a little bit about in this conversation. Robert, thanks so much for uh, joining me on the Twimmel AI podcast. (laughs) Thanks for uh, having me, Sam. Your introduction makes me think I should have came up with a more clever name for that paper. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? A lot of the papers we talk about on this show are quite the mouthful, so yours is no exception. Uh, Maybe someone will build a model, you know, that uh, seeks to determine an inverse correlation or correlation between the lengthiness of a paper's <laughs> title and uh, its number of citations or something like that. But <laughs> let's set that aside for now and have you spend a few minutes introducing yourself. How did you get started in machine learning? What piqued your interest? Um, you know, ultimately, we'll be spending a lot of time here talking about causality. How did you come to become interested in that? You know, my path to machine learning was a bit... I'd say unconventional. I I started off working um, in in Asia and China, China specifically. I was I did a degree at Hopkins in international studies and was planning to pursue a degree in economic um, in economics, focusing on economic development. I got involved with some internet companies out in Beijing, and that's kind of that got me into coding and databases and data in general and I decided I was interested in in that in that and went to so I applied to for programs in statistics particularly with a focus on computational statistics I went back to the states came back to the states uh, went to Purdue University to do my uh, PhD in stats uh, my PhD work was on uh, causal inference graphical models uh, basically how to learn causal models from data, uh, particularly in the context of systems biology. And from then, after I graduated, I went straight into industry. Got it. Now, we hear very frequently uh, folks refer to their path into machine learning as unconventional or indirect. Uh, in your case, you came into an interest in gaming, and that led you to apply for uh, or, or go into grad school for statistics. What was that particular connection? Really, it's when you're on the back end of an app and you're looking at the data and you're realizing that there's a lot of insights to be had if only we could model this data and turn it into some service on the front end. Mm. I realized, I mean, this was, you know, people had, were just kind of starting to talk about data science and, 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 you know, Hal Varian had just recently came out and said that statistics is the new sexiest. Well, I can't remember what the exact quote was. Pick your metaphor. Yeah. Pick your metaphor. Orange is the new black statistics is the new, I don't know, uh, rock star. And so, um, and, um, yeah, that's, that's, 
kind of why I pivoted to to the um, to stats and machine learning. Uh, I, guess, I guess through stats, I mean, if you I mean, people might argue whether or not stats and machine learning are the, are the same thing. My, the problems that I, were, I was working on in my PhD were using uh, probabilistic graphical models, uh, so you know, which has strong roots in artificial intelligence. So that was my introduction to machine learning. Yeah, one of the things that's come up in our conversations about causality and uh, the work that you're doing with your courses is the idea that you know, historically talking about causality has been the you know the domain of statisticians and you know folks like economists, uh, and that a lot of that conversation is inaccessible or isn't really tailored to the needs of developers and data scientists, machine learning engineers. I didn't realize all the time we were talking about that, that your background was in economics. <laughs> you have some of the exposure to the way that causality is, has been traditionally kind of used and talked about. You know, maybe I guess I'll just use this as a segue to uh, kind of opening up the floor to, to ask you, you know, what, how do you define causality? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you know, the interesting thing about causality and maybe Part of why maybe it is a challenging thing to deal with, particularly for statisticians, I would say, is that it's very difficult to talk about it without finding yourself having a philosophical conversation. And, you know, so going, you know, and this is something that, you know, what is the uh, causality? You know, these are something that um, philosophers have been wrestling with through the ages, right? Hume has has a counterfactual definition of causality that's... um, you know, A follows from B, and had A not happened, B would not have happened. Um, but you know, philosophers going back to the Buddha all kind of take their stab at what is causality. And so there's a there's different philosophical arguments for causality and what it means. Um, I think from a practical standpoint, what most people mean when they say st- uh, causal inference is they mean the estimation of causal effects. So if you're, say, for example, at a tech company and you want to run some kind of experiment about the about whether a feature will drive a click or some other key performance indicator or metric, you're you're asking you your your experiment is essentially trying to get at the question of what is the causal effect of this feature on this outcome. And you'll be using assumptions and methods from uh, statistics to estimate, assuming your your assumptions are are valid, those causal effects. But when we talk in machine learning, we're now hearing, you know, so at NeurIPS, like you said, you know, Yashua Bengio gave this talk about, you know, having agents that can understand the causal structure of the world and, and that causality is essential from moving from system one to system two cognition, uh, Judea Pearl, who is a very preeminent causal inference researcher, talks about causal reasoning in, the, in terms of free will and, you know, the ability to understand intention. And and so there are definitely definitely a lot of angles to tackle this question from the perspective of, artific- of artificial intelligence that, you know, people who are running experiments in, in, in Facebook and Netflix are not really thinking about. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that you you kind of you know where you started your response and ended 
uh, your response. When I talked to people about causality and, and agreed, you know, at NeurIPS and uh, even before, you know, causality over the past year has really uh, been one of those topics. I, I think maybe peaking at NeurIPS, it was definitely a hot topic at NeurIPS. I, I don't think, I think it's too early to say that it was peaking and I don't think that that's the case, but it was definitely a hot topic at NeurIPS. Uh, but even before there was kind of this growing uh, crescendo of interest and enthusiasm around this idea of causality. When I talk to folks about it, the conversations tend to be, you know, either the, the philosoph- philosophical, uh, conversations, kind of very abstract conversations that you mentioned that you started your explanation with, or, um, you know, talking about it like it's, you know, another algorithm or, tool or approach on the on the shelf um, and that hey you know we've been doing machine learning and now we you know you know we realize we just need to pick up this you know this causality tool and kind of sprinkle it on what we've been doing all along and you know we've got a better approach to doing things do you get that sense as well uh, in the industry and, and what do you think's driving that yeah and I I, I I sense a lot of cultural clash in terms of trying to articulate the problems in one field and what the ideal solutions are coming from one camp and you know what people are already doing who are working on causal inference and what they think the smart ways of what the next steps are in that line of research i think you know from the algorithmic standpoint clearly yeah that's where we want to go we want to be able to algorithmize causal reasoning right now um and there are ways of doing that, and they're connected, of course. So, for example, if we're talking about, like what I said, the traditional question of of causal inference is, you know, can we estimate a causal effect? If the causal effect is, again, the effect of something that you care about, like some kind of utility, you're not really that far away from, say, a Markov decision process or reinforcement learning, especially if, for example, you're, you know, the, the, the thing that you're, the experiment that you're running, you're running in sequence. So, so that, you know, you, you run the experiment, you get some kind of results, you, you update some kind of uh, belief structure about your model and then run, run a new experiment. That's getting very, very close to the language of reinforcement learning. But if you're in, if you're working in reinforcement learning and you try and dive into that literature, you're going to see a bunch of papers on public health, uh, experimental designs and, you know, and, and really kind of very domain specific assumptions built up around linear models. None of the stuff that you're working on, if you're a typical reinforcement learning or a researcher. Another issue would be, for example, if you are working on trying to, if you're working on on deep learning, for example, and you're thinking, okay, well, how can I just apply deep learning to causal inference? Well, one of the chief problems in causal inference is the question of whether or not something's identifiable, right? So this is to say that I want to, I have some, I have a model and I have a causal question that I want to ask my model and I have some data. Now, given my data, is this question even, is it even possible for me to answer it? And the answer might be no. This is something that I found that people with um, a background in machine learning, particularly a deep background in deep learning, have trouble thinking about because they're, they tend to think that if I get the right architecture and I get enough data and I 
label the, the data in the correct way and I um, get the right loss function, then I can solve this. And so that, that that's a huge clash right there, right? Like that's a that's a fundamental clash. And so, um, you know, getting a lot, getting over some of those, I consider them cultural barriers, is um, is I think what we need to be striving for as a community. The example that you brought up of you know you're an engineer working at a you know a ad tech startup or you know any kind of web startup. Uh, and you want to estimate the probability that the change that you're making, you know, has a, a result that you're predicting. You kind of use that broadly as an example of where you might apply causality. Uh, but we've been trying to estimate these kinds of things for a long time. What's different about the causal approach to this? Well, at a if you had to define what a fun, uh, what a causal model can do that a non-causal model can't do, at a most basic level, it's that it can predict the effect of an intervention. And so, wh- what an intervention is is some kind of action that that you take, or a modeler takes, or people who are making decisions based on a model uh, on a model are taking that affects the data generating process. Um, and so, if you are affecting the data generating process, then and you're and you're and you're you're changing it. Well, that means that the data that you're now getting from that new process is different from the data that you trained your model on. Now, if you have a causal model, your causal model can account for that change, and its predictions will still be valid. But as we know, with even some of the more powerful models in machine learning, if we when if they're just pure predictive models, they don't have a causal structure to them. Then the second you change the, uh, tra- the the data generating process such that it differs from the training data you're going to have it you're going to have issues and it's not going to be very robust to new data that your, the model hasn't seen before and so that's that's kind of when I when I try and pitch people on like why should I care about causal inference that's really the the main thing is that so the, the, in the example I think that you're referring to I, it's, it's a simple example but I say suppose that you were you, you know you had some kind of sensors that were collecting data about the climate, the weather in the local, the, the microclimate where you live in the morning and using that. And then in the evening, you, you, you record whether or not it rained. Okay. And so after a while, you collect, you collect enough data and then you create a predictive model that predicts whether or not it will rain. And then based on this model, you make a decision. Based on this prediction, you make a decision. And that decision is whether or not to carry an umbrella with you in the morning. Now, that's fine because what happens there is carrying the umbrella is going to have no effect on the weather. But we can look at a comparative example, say, for example, in business where you look at some business indicators and then you, you and, and then at the end of whatever period it is, a quarter, uh, you know, a cycle, you record, you know, the revenue for your company. Um, and then you do that for a while and then you train a model that predicts future revenue given these business uh, indicators. And then if your future revenue looks like it's going to be low, you run some advertising. Well, that that advertising is going to now start generating data that is affected by that advertising. Mm -hmm. And so when you retrain your model on that new data, you're getting this kind of feedback loop that where your, where your actions are affecting the data generating process and, 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 uh, and, and, and feeding back into the data. This this is an issue, for example, um, in uh, fraud detection. So that's you know what happens once you start 
you're able to detect fraud, then you start rejecting the fraudulent transactions. And now all the only fraudulent transactions that make it into your future trading data are these edge cases of fraudulent transactions. And so when you retrain your model, it's now ha- has this strange bias towards those edge cases. Um, and so that can confuse things. And so at, at a very basic the very basic use case for causal modeling in AI in, in machine learning is to be able to predict the outcomes of interventions. And so, and once we can predict interventions, we can do a lot of clever things on top of that. So we can, for example, um, we can have models or we can have modules of our models that are more robust and can transfer across domains so that we don't have to retrain them once we get to a new data set or a new domain. And considering the cost of training a model these days, that can be, that can lead to some significant cost savings. Um, again, we can, we can estimate causal effects, which is very relevant in fields like reinforcement learning, as I said. And, um, you know, and then there's the, there's the question of counterfactual reasoning. So just to recap that before we move on, what you're saying is that the traditional machine learning models that are kind of sitting on the shelves for us to use, you know, tend to make this assumption, this IID assumption that the, you know, the data that it's trained on are all independently and identically distributed. Right. And, uh, in many use cases, the decisions that we're making based on the models that we're using actually changes the distribution uh, and the independence of of the uh, the data in future time steps. And uh, sounds like we just live with that uh, that yeah, complication, and- uh, but it causes problems for us. And uh, one of the reasons why people are starting to get excited about causality is because it holds some promise for fixing this and thus, you know, making our application of real of machine learning more kind of applicable in the real world that we live in. Yeah. You know, so speaking of real world applications, people would be interested. I think you've had speakers like Tim Nitt on who are talking about algorithmic fairness and so causal inference would have a lot to say about that, for example, right? So like is is a policy's effect on some kind of outcome, like say an adverse outcome for a specific group of people? Is it a direct cause of that policy? Is it kind of being mediated through indirect causes or is it just correlated to that, to that um, initial cause because of some kind of confounding uh, factors in the, in the outside uh, environment that generated the data? You know, so that is one reason why when we're worried about like, you know, algorithmic fairness and, and ethical AI, clearly, you know, causal inference has a lot to say about that. Um, um, the example that I just gave, of course, and just making sure that our models, if we're making decisions that affect the trading data that goes into our models and making sure that is somehow accounted for. Um, and, you know, those are those are some very basic applications of it, although I think that one. When machine learning people at machine learning conferences get excited about causality, I don't think it's so much because of um, estimating causal effects or ethical AI or or explainable AI. I think it really has to do with things like modeling, like disentangled representations and 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 variational autoencoders, for example. Like if if we're these if we're trying to parse apart these uh, latent variables that are that have some kind of meaning and transfer across data sets can we bring can we bring some causal reasoning to bear on that problem i think people are in, are interested in uh people in a probabilistic programming community like myself are very interested in the ability to 
build causal models as programs and use those to reason counterfactually. Um, that that's the kind of cure. That's the kind of bread and butter AI application of of causal inference. Although these other these other domains that I mentioned are clearly very relevant. You mentioned disentangled representation and variational autoencoders. When I think of that, the kind of analogy that comes to mind for me uh, is like embeddings and you know a transformation from you know the a feature domain to some embedding space and. Typically, that's a kind of opaque representation is the idea that with causality, that embedding space or representation space is more meaningful, causal, understandable, explainable, or is it uh, something different than that? Yeah. So generally, the idea is that this embedding space is is somehow capturing latent causes. And so there's some very, there's a very important question about, okay, statistically, is it even possible to, um, identify latent causes, uh, even in a multivariate setting, uh, which some people think is possible, like, but there's a lot of, you know, you can show mathematically that you, you get a lot of problems if you try doing that. So people are worrying, are, are thinking about that and they're thinking about, um, you know, there are, when you have a, 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 a probability distribution, say of a, of a effect given a cause, a conditional probability distribution of an effect given a cause is, driven by some natural causal mechanism that drives that effect from the cause, right? And we assume that that causal mechanism, since it's a part of nature, is going to be invariant across data sets, right? So if we can look at that type of intuition and, you know, what it means for these mechanisms uh, or what 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 the, the nature of these mechanisms and how they might, for example, be independent of one another, what that might say about the distributions that they entail, you know, can we now build those as assumptions inside of a, of a, say a deep uh, model like this, right? Build it into the, for say, for example, the, the, the loss function or um, the structure of the model and come up with latent representations that we can have stronger belief that these are actually good uh, representations of causes. You know, in talking about causality, we've talked about some of the, you know, the kind of philosophical origins of just defining what causality means and uh, its popularity within the research community. How ready are the tools around causality that they can be practically used by, you know, folks in industry? Are we there yet or is there, are we not quite there yet? There are some excellent packages uh, both in R and in Python that will do useful things when it comes to causal effect estimation. So, you know, it's, um, I, uh, there's a, a fellow at Microsoft Research named Amit Sharma who has a uh, library called DoY, which is, I think, when it comes to just that problem of, of estimating causal effects, I, I think is um, has, the, has the, one of the best interfaces that I've seen for that problem. It's very intuitive. Um, it gives you lots of options and it's separate and it separates the problem of identification and estimation very well. I am somebody who comes from the deep probabilistic programming community. I like to think about a data generating function as a causal process. And I like to think about how I can model that in, 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 in a program and, um, and use tools like um, uh, TensorFlow or PyTorch to capture 
the complexities and nonlinearities in that system. Um, so, so for example, with the workshops and the courses that I teach, I use Pyro, which is a deep generative modeling framework from Uber AI Labs that extends uh, PyTorch. Now that said, it, you know some of the challenges there. In are, there's some challenges there when it comes to inference on these models. It can be, I think that's an active area of research. And so, um, if you're not, you know, you, you kind of have to turn away at the at the inference problem when you're working on these models. But um, it's certainly doable. Well, uh, let me maybe refine uh, or restate the question uh, to, you know, where are people successfully using this kind of kind of body of knowledge around causality in machine learning, not in stats or economics, but in machine learning. You, you've mentioned some examples of representative problems, but are these problems that are you know solvable today that, that people are you know using causal approaches in, or are these things that we would like to apply causality to once the tools are more mature? I, you know the best applications. Within the AI space that I've seen, and I very much hope if your listeners take issue with what I'm about to say that they they email me and prove me wrong. But um, I mean, most of the the the, uh, the cutting edge stuff is happening within the research community. Um, within industry, there are I would say that I've seen people in industry working on um, say an, an analysis by synthesis approaches, which is where say you have some kind of latent grammar of uh, uh, you know abstractions within a domain that you use to generate say images or synthetic environments for say for example training um, self-driving cars for example and when they design these grammars they add a kind of causal semantics to them uh, I've seen some or you know early success with those types of approaches the biggest application in industry that I've seen be successful that's kind of not surprising is, when it comes to say actual machine learning models in production would be um, people who are applying causal inference um, techniques in experiment and experimentation to the optimizing of hyperparameters for machine learning models. So it's just running experiments on models to make them to, to tune their parameters. So I hinted at this earlier. Uh, you've got a course that you are teaching at Northeastern University, as well as through uh, your own upstart uh, education company, Alt Deep AI. And I'll have you talk a little bit about that. And we're launching a collaboration around uh, bringing a study group that you'll be leading uh, for this course to uh, the Twimble community. And anyone who's listening to this, uh, who's interested in, in learning more, can uh, join us for uh, an overview session that we'll be doing on February 1st. But so let's have you share a little bit about your thinking around this course, how it's different from other educational resources around causality and uh, in particular who it's who it's for given kind of where you think the you know the market is and where causality is uh from a utility perspective okay yeah um so it's it's all deep school of ai all deep.ai and it helps people break into new opportunities surrounding cutting edge ai and so it assumes that you already have a background in 
um, data science and machine learning and that you can code, um, although not you know, a preliminary background is fine. You know, I started it because as a as a research engineer working in the field, I was seeing that you, you'd often have a case where somebody would identify some kind of pivot they want they want to make like uh, say for example I'm a data scientist and I want to transition to um, an engineering role where I'm working on machine learning algorithms or that I'm a software engineer and I want to take a lead on building our company's new experimentation platform um, or even kind of off the wall things like I want to implement and deploy an agent that plays online poker right and so to get these types of goals to really achieve them you you need to combine learning about new research in an area in AI with actually finding tools and libraries and tutorials that help you do the implementation. And, you know, so the process of going through a bunch of research papers and medium blog posts and Jupyter notebooks, it's, it's slow, it's arduous. It's, there's a lot of hype and noise that you have to churn through in order to get a little bit of signal. Um, so all deep solving this by bundling the science and the implementation and presenting in a way that, delivers a transformation that people are looking for by the end of the workshop. Um, so the first se sequence of courses uh, are having to do with you know, causal modeling and machine learning. And so if you've been to, you know, if you, like, like, you, like you were saying before, you know, we've, we've gone to these conferences, we know that um, to get to common sense reasoning in AI, we need to look at causal inference, but it, like I said, if you look at the causal inference literature, you're going you're gonna to find kind of weird toy problems, uh, you know, language that's focused on uh, econometrics and public health. Um, you know, a lot of talk about problem-specific variations of linear models and stats that are probably a lot different from the kinds of problems that you're working on. It's very hard to penetrate. So the course does... Uh, what the course does is explain, or the courses rather, they they explain at a high level uh, in the language and in the context of machine learning what these, well, what what causal inference is about, what causal modeling is about, so what counterfactual inference is all about, and how to algorithmize it. Um, and if you're like, say for example, you're familiar with things like topic models, other latent variable models, um, Bayesian nonparametric models. Um, and you're and you're comfortable working in a deep probabilistic programming language like uh, Pyro. It's it's a it's, I think it's a great choice. Are those things prerequisites? Because I imagine there are a lot of folks out there that are interested in causality, want to be able to engage in conversations about it or understand the conversations that are happening about it, but don't know anything about probabilistic programming or any of the other things that you mentioned. I would say that no, they're not prerequisites. If you have a background there, you're going to be able to take off right away. Um, uh, putting uh, probabilistic programming aside, it's uh, it's more focused on the idea of model-based machine learning, which is that which is saying that um, to tackle a machine learning problem, you should be thinking very, very uh, precisely about your data generating process, and then. Um, write a, uh, create a bespoke model tailored to that process. And, you know, and since I would argue that for a human being, it's impossible to think of a process that generated the data uh, without you thinking about it in causal terms. Um, it really just that way of thinking models, uh, sorry, maps directly to um, the, the, the causal modeling. And so uh, probabilistic programming is just a, is a really way, really easy way of going about that. If you don't have experience with probabilistic programming, so not, 
So none of the examples are the types of, you know, large, deep models that take all data trained and um, are very difficult to debug. Um, they're all very easy to sink your teeth into um, while at the same time, and they're all very kind of contextualized within the kinds of machine learning problems that somebody with a machine learning background might be used to. Uh, but at the same time, they're, they're, it's clear how they can be generalized to um, more deeper and more nuanced, um, more complex models. You made a point in there about the causality, I believe, or I don't recall if you were precisely referring to causality or probabilistic programming, but the idea that uh, in thinking about uh, a model, you're thinking about the, the way that the data is generated. Can you elaborate yeah. on that point a little bit? Yeah, so I, it's um, it's a philosophy that is commonly articulated as model-based machine learning. And so, yeah, the typical machine learning playbook is that you 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 get the data sets, you look at the, the structure of the features, you look at the structure of the of the, of the target um, response variable, um, you start transforming things to fit whatever modeling framework you are familiar with, or whatever happens to be fashionable at the time. Um, maybe you go on to um, you go and pick the most fashionable model and you kind of switch out the uh, MNIST data for whatever your data is and just assume it's going to work. Um, and then you kind of iterate on it, you tweak things until you can ramp up uh, predictive accuracy. Uh, this The model-based machine learning approach is, is, is saying that it's taking a different philosophy for building a model. You're saying that rather than um, being a hammer in search of a nail, you should say, all right, let me let me think about the process that generated this data. Let me build a bespoke model with respect to this data, and and um, and and try and then let me try to you know evaluate and critique this model in terms of how well uh, how faithful I think it is to the original data generating process. Of course, you can still have a loss function that optimizes for a prediction. Now, this relates to causality because. If you're thinking about a process that generated data, typically the way you think about it is as a causal process. So first this happened and that that happened and then maybe some noise was added and then it was translated. Uh, all of these things are you're, you're thinking about a kind of causal narrative um, for for uh, a kind of causal origin story for your data. And so so in this course, we build on that model based machine learning intuition, that, that generative modeling intuition. So for those that are, are listening to this and aren't aware of what it means when I say a study group, one of the things we do as part of our broader Twimmel meetup and community is go through online courses together. Uh, we've done that for a ton of the fast AI courses, as well as courses like the Stanford CS224 NLP course, the Andrew Wang's Deep Learning.AI course. Uh, and uh, we're excited to kick off a collaboration with Robert around his causal modeling and machine learning sequence um, and this is particularly special because this is the first time we have uh, an instructor of a course leading the study group with us. For more information about the study group, uh, you can visit twimalai.com slash community and uh, join the community, join the Slack channel for the course, and uh, we'll post information there about the information session that, again, we'll hold on 
uh, Saturday, February 1st at 8 a.m. Robert, any uh, parting thoughts or words on uh, we didn't get to your paper <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to talk about that at some other time but I think you know this you know this is certainly not the the first conversation that we'll need to have on the show about causality because again it is coming up over and over and over again uh, and the few people that I've mentioned as I've started talking about the this collaboration you know I've gotten a lot of enthusiasm because it's one of these things that a lot of people are talking about but you know very few people really understand what it is and and how to apply it uh so I'm definitely looking forward to getting this kicked off as are you know many other people that I've talked to uh but again sorry any uh parting thoughts uh from your end yeah you know I'd say to all of the research engineers, all the research scientists, data scientists out there who are maybe feeling a bit stuck on the um, on trying to say pursue you know certain career goals and 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 hearing about all of the of the hype and the trends that if you really go deep on the problems that you think are cool, you really can't go wrong. I I love this causal modeling stuff. I love how it relates to symbolic AI. I love how it repl- um, I love the idea of um, creating an algorithm that can mimic how I regret dating the woman that I dated in college. <laughs> I love all that stuff. <laughs> I love I love all that stuff about this field, and uh, you know, even before it was sexy. So I I think um, um, I'm, you know, if, and if you're interested in the, if you're interested in talking about it more, I, I'd love to I'd love for you to reach out to me. Awesome. Well, Robert, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us and. Uh, by all means, reach out to Robert or I about the course or Robert about his work, and uh, hopefully we'll catch you in the study group. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Sam. All right, everyone, that's our show for today. To learn more about today's guest or the topics mentioned in this interview, visit twimmelai.com. Of course, If you like what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcatcher. Thanks so much for listening and catch you next time.